welcome to another episode of That's Rap Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jay Rosales. And just a reminder, this is a Raptors podcast that's by Raptors fans and for Raptors fans and with a little sprinkling of Milwaukee in this episode. <laughs> um, joining me today is my co-host, Dre. How's it going, buddy? Very good. Very good. Uh, tomorrow or today, by the time this is released, uh, it's going to be... Bambi versus Barney, two teams that were ridiculed by Cleveland fans for so long, and here we are. This is a great redemption for both organizations. We're both looking spectacular. This is going to be an exciting series, number one and number two in the league. You know, before we were being made fun of, called chokers, not good enough. Now, here we are. One of us is going to the finals. This is a great, exciting time. Uh, with me, we have uh, Jason, the the audible doctor, uh, the one who puts everything together. How's it going? What's up, guys? Listen, I I feel like we already won the championship with that uh, Kawhi buzzer beater, so I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I, we can start the... Were you playing with house money already? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I know, right? Man, but I'm glad we can start a new c- series. It's zero, zero. I'm glad to talk to you guys again. Uh, we've been doing post-game pods, but finally, it's always nice to do an actual episode. But before we do that, I want to introduce our guest. Uh, Jay, you know what? Let's throw it to you. Thanks a lot. Um, so, yeah, coming to us all the way from checking my notes here, Arizona, we've got uh, Andrew Goodman of Bucking the Trend Podcast. He's also a writer over at Brew Hoop, uh, which is uh, the Raptors HQ equivalent over there on, uh, on on SB Nation. Andrew, welcome to the show. Buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Really looking forward to this. And, you know, we finally deserve it. Two fan bases that have really, you know, been searching for that postseason supremacy in their conference going out for a trip to the finals. Not only that, but you get the two best players, arguably, in all of the NBA, Kawhi Leonard and Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, battling out in a potential seven-game series to go to the finals. I mean, what more could you ask for? Absolutely. And I feel like when it came to, like, LeBron and uh, and I guess the Toronto Raptors, always David and Goliath, this time it's, like, two juggernauts, two heavyweights going at it. And it's, it's really exciting for any basketball fans, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. And... You know, you, you, you hit it on the head, Andrew, in terms of like who the focus of this series will be on um, the two stars players for each team. But before we jump into previewing the series, let's uh, reminisce a little bit. Um, you may not know this, but apparently Kawhi hit some sort of a shot yeah, uh, at the end of that. game seven to win the series. <laughs> I don't know if you happen to see that, um, but uh, I guess to, to start things off, uh, Andrew, like what? Like, what was it like for you? I mean, did, did you watch it live? Obviously, you probably did. But, like, what was the reaction for you and, you know, anyone else that you were kind of watching with? How, how was that like? What was that experience like? I definitely was watching that live. And, you know, while I was, quote-unquote, rooting for Philadelphia Twins just because I would prefer to play 76 years ran rather than the Raptors, you know, just as a big, big basketball fan, you know, Kawhi Leonard making that shot with Joel Embiid right in his face, you know, have it bouncing around a bunch of times on the rim and just dropping for a trip to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. And looking at the crowd reaction at the Air Canada Center and all on Twitter, these Raptor fans were really happy. And, you know, as a Bucks fan, I can definitely, you know, in all our years of being fans of our respective teams, we have definitely seen a lot of losses. There's been a lot of turnover. But, you know, now we stability and, to, you know, see Toronto celebrate like that was really awesome just from a basketball perspective. Oh That's yeah, awesome, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm I'm not going to actually ask that question to to Dre or Jay because you know we we kind of I don't know how we fumbled our way through that <laughs> through that <laughs> reliving that experience in our last pod, yeah. but uh, yeah, it we're was still, we're still jumping for joy. Let's be real. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, now that the, the that shot is kind of you know that that shot will live in infamy, and we're we're always going to remember it, and you know it'll it'll it's already an iconic sports moment in, in Toronto sports history. Um, the other thing that that shot brought us was to here, to the conference finals, one step away from the finals, as you all have already mentioned. This is this is the chance for a team to take over the mantle that LeBron James has owned for the better part of a decade. So now that we're heading into round three, now that, you know, the Bucks are very well rested, we all know this, and the Raptors are, I guess, happy to be past those pesky 76ers. Um, how are we feeling uh, heading into this round? Uh, Dre, let's start with you. 
it's going to be exciting because I feel like the Bucks didn't necessarily have an easy road uh, outside of, you know, um, uh, Griffinless uh, Pistons team, but it's just a testament to their caliber of talent. Uh, it's not so much that it was easy as much as it was the other teams just weren't showing up. You know, you have an all-star studded Boston team that just the chemistry wasn't there. As a result, the Bucks were warranted this this great time to to unwind and take it easy in a playoffs that's arguably being one of the most demanding because, like, you know, you have Golden State still in it, but everyone's trying to dethrone them. LeBron's not even here, so it's like, who's next in line? Who Who's going to take this opportunity because LeBron's not here? So you've seen mm-hmm. a crazy Portland team. You've seen an impressive Nuggets team. You've seen all sorts, but you've also seen this team, which I feel like has yet to see huge competition, but as a result, they've had a chance to maintain what they have. They have all this energy. They have all these plans and everything going into motion. They have a lot up their sleeves. Meanwhile, you have a Raptors team that have just been going at it constantly. So there's still that momentum, that drive. So it's it's going to be against... It's going to be a competition between a team that's still there feeling the heat, that electricity going next to a team that has had time to unwind, think it all through and see what they have. So it's Mm -hmm. going to be grit versus wit, and it's going to be very interesting. No, I absolutely agree to that. And, And Andrew, I wanted to go back to when you were talking about you know, Milwaukee possibly wanting to face the Philadelphia Senate Sixers. And I was thinking about the same thing. It's like, I wonder what Milwaukee's thinking. I wonder which team they would rather face. Would they rather face the, you know, the more grit and grind Philly team with Joel Embiid, uh, possibly, you know, still sick? Or would they want to face a... Uh, kind of still an unknown Toronto Raptors team that have shown uh, they they can compete, but it's ma- mainly Kawhi Leonard. So I wanted to hear your take. I want to know what... I want to know your thoughts about like who do you think the Milwaukee Bucks wanted to face at the at the end of that game? Well, if you're asking the Bucks, I'm sure they're going to say they don't care who they're faced. But since you're asking me, I would rather face Philadelphia just because Toronto is definitely to give Milwaukee a lot of trouble, push them to seven games, even eliminate them. So I know their their bench production in the in the postseason has really you know been non-existent. Mm-hmm. So when you look at just the, when you compare the benches between the two teams, and you look at Philadelphia is one of the shallowest in the league i want to say and whenever they the bucks and and excuse me the bucks and 76ers matched up in the regular season the bucks played exceptionally well against philadelphia except there was one game in, in milwaukee even though Giannis dropped 51 big part of that loss was philadelphia they hit i think it was around 18 three-pointers the only way i feel they would have beaten the bucks is if they have one of those nights where they're making you know 18 15 to 18 threes per game and if you look at Toronto, they just have so many ways they can beat you. Not only do they have Kawhi, they also have Kyle Lowry, even though he's struggling. I'm still a big fan of his. He's he's bound to erupt at any moment. He's missing some shots that he usually makes in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Really love Danny Green and the Bucks. Big part of their game, as we know, is how they get out and run in transition. Danny Green, who's arguably one of the best transition defenders in NBA history. And I, I don't I personally do not think that's a stretch. We saw what he did in San Antonio when he was there for a few years, just is just so sound. They have a great, they have a great coach, you know, their starting lineup ever since they got Marcus all, they've been shooting better from three point range and related to the postseason. But to me, that makes me a little nervous because a lot of these shots Toronto is missing are open looks in and out. It's to me, it's bad luck. And I feel like Toronto is essentially due are shooting better than let's say 20 to 30% from deep. Yeah, no, I, I think you've raised a lot of great points here. Um, and there, there probably is. And I think that the the Raptors fan base is, is kind of holding on to this, those same um, truths that, you know, the, that there's, a, on paper, at least, the Raptors should be a, a great foe for, for the Bucks. But a lot of the items that you mentioned, for at least for the Raptors, haven't really shown up. And I, I, get, I get the concern. And, you know, the... Whether it is Danny Green, while excellent defensively, his shot hasn't been falling. You already mentioned uh, the bench production or lack thereof for the Raptors, and um, you know Gasol, while he's been an amazing addition 
during the regular season and defensively during the playoffs. He's been an absolute monster, you know, holding down Vucevic and holding his own against Embiid. Um, on, on the offensive end, it's 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 tough to watch, right? When you know he's got open shots, he's not taking them. I know it's not in his DNA to to take those shots, but there are a lot of concerns, uh, you know, from Raptors fans about where is the offense going to to come from. So I'm, you know, I and I wonder too, like with with the Bucks also having won the season series. I mean, do you put any weight to that? Do you put any weight to the fact that okay, well, you know, the Bucks kind of own the season series, and you know the, the Raptors aren't really hitting on all cylinders. Um, you know, w- what is your take on like? Do you do you take any of the season series stuff uh, into account when when kind of predicting how the series will play out, or is it just like nope, that was a different you know time, and this is a different team. We both have different teams now. Well, for me, when you're talking about the season series, there were a lot of factors that went into that. There was a game where Kawhi didn't play. I believe he didn't play twice. And Giannis didn't play in the first game. So I'm not really putting too much weight in a series victory, especially in the regular season. You know, it's great. For me, series one is you're guaranteeing home court advantage over the Toronto Raptors. So that's that's really the important factor when, when I think of season series. But I'm, I'm really not putting too much weight into the stuff we saw in the regular season. Adjustment, the playoffs is a time adjustments good coaches they make adjustments in the postseason so tricks up their sleeve for tomorrow starting in game one i also don't take the the regular season as as something to compare to because i also feel like every series that happens in the playoffs once you move past it you got to wipe everything out and that's why i'm i agree with uh with andrew whereas like we haven't seen anything from Kyle Lowry. We obviously haven't seen anything from our bench. But at the same time, I also don't think that we've seen the best out of the Bucs. Uh, Dre already alluded to it. The Bucks hasn't really seen the, this kind of competition yet. Uh, with Detroit, there wasn't very much anything there. With Boston, you you see how poisonous it is, especially with what Terry Rozier was saying. So I feel like the, this, the Toronto Raptors pose a, a much better better uh much better competition with to what the bucks have faced and the same when when it comes to toronto when they faced the philadelphia 76ers i feel like that test um whatever we faced against the sixers was a kind of like a an exam before the the final test like it was a good testament for us to get over that hump so we can face a even better opponent so it's not like we're any rusty or it's not like this was luck it's just like the next series is zero zero this is everything else before that uh goes out the window jay do you think the same yeah absolutely um you know as uh, everyone here has agreed upon the regular season has some sort of value in the playoffs but it's not it's not absolute because i have two words which have been on twitter social media all through the years of toronto fans and san antonio fans playoff Kawhi. there's a reason why there was a load management you know, the fact that he's playing so differently and he's like an absolute beast in the playoffs, that's not to say that he's the only player doing this or the only team doing this. Every team folds or expands in the playoffs. People were predicting Boston was going to explode in the playoffs. Like this was their big moment. The season wasn't a, a fortune of a fortune telling of what was going to happen in the offseason. Unfortunately, it was. Having said that, you have other teams where it was kind of a different story. And the playoffs are just a different animal. They're exhausting. It's every other day or every other two days. It's the same team. They get in your head. You have to go to their home turf. You come to yours and you lose on your ground. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating. You're seconds away from losing it all and having to go home. You're in the lead, but you could throw it away. There are so many different factors here that change everything and there's also the idea that we haven't faced the bucks team that is currently as it is right now with the team that we have currently right now functioning in this way so i think the only thing that the season has foretold is how insanely active both our fan bases are that first game where we had our first loss of the season and the fear the deer chance the Bucks were going crazy every time they rained threes. That that shows some promise. That there's a fan base that's been dying to get to the Eastern Conference Finals or the whole way, and they deserve it. But there's also our fan base as well. So all I know is 
the arenas are going to be so loud that every team that's not playing in the playoffs right now will hear it from their respective state and be annoyed that we're going at it and they're not because we're going to be so loud, both Milwaukee and Toronto. There's no, no dis- I'm, dispute I'm glad about you brought, that. I'm glad you brought that up, Dre, because I remember that first game of the season. I remember we, the, the, I think it was the both teams were both undefeated. There was all this hype about who's going to be the last remaining undefeated team. And yeah, I remember thinking that that arena was just absolutely nuts. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but but let's let's stay on the Bucks for a second here, uh, Jay. Oh, what do you think? Like in terms of this Bucks team, what, what do you think makes them? Like we obviously know about Antetokounmpo, but what makes them so dangerous? Like what is I don't know. Like is it a specific? Is is it Budenholzer? Is it Middleton? Like what is it about them that makes them so dangerous? I think a lot of it has to do with uh, Budenholzer. Um, I think he knows how to utilize. Giannis, but he also knows how to utilize everybody else around him. So it's like, okay, Giannis, you can you can score whenever the hell you want for sure. But let's make sure and let's put you in a good position that you, that you can open up the entire lane and have everybody else that can shoot three. So we have to have somebody like Kawhi, and I I I feel like I'm going to get a lot of crap for this, but I I think that Kawhi should be the one who is going to be defending um, Giannis because in that case you don't have to double team. If you if you double team Giannis, which I feel like it's going to happen if anybody else is guarding besides uh, Leonard, then Giannis all he has to do is pass it out to let's say Brooke Lopez or or Middleton and then there's going to be a three right away so that's that's how dangerous they are um I feel like the Bucks uh, are, are a very high volume shooting team and even if they miss let's say like they go 27 percent or, or 30 percent the re- the the amount of threes that they're going to take they're still going to make a lot of them and it's going to take a lot of momentum out of our game so uh, the the Bucks have Giannis that's that's the number one they're number one repping, right? But the amount of shots that they put up and the, the amount of good shooters they have from like 10 deep is dangerous. Like this team is deep. So if the Raptors don't play or the, the bench uh, doesn't show up, like I don't think we can go eight deep, um, but it we can't have a Raptors team that goes six deep against a Bucks team that can go 10 deep, you know, like it has, <laughs> there has to be some sort of leeway from our bench. If the Raptors have a chance, that's, that's where my stance is. I definitely, I definitely agree with all the points you just brought up. In fact, Kawhi Leonard defending Giannis, ideally you would want arguably the best defender, perimeter defender in all basketball guarding best player, one of the best players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But for me, it all comes down to, like you just said, if is Toronto getting that production from their bench? Obviously, guarding Giannis is going to energy for Kawhi Leonard. But if you're going to beat the Bucks, you're not going to beat the Bucks with hero ball. Because if you're doing that, you're forcing the action offensively. You're playing right into the hands of how Milwaukee wants you to play right. on offense. So, you know, the Bucks have this luxury. On the other hand, they have getting, they're getting huge contributions from Nikola Mirotic, Malcolm Brogdon healthy he's going to be contributing this series i'm sure then you have guys like pat Connaughton who made all the difference outside of game one against boston george hill i mean found the fountain of youth in the second round again actually throughout the playoffs he's been great so you can beat the 76ers the way you did but with the bucks and the way they play defense for me it's just a it's a different different animal and one question i wanted to ask what i've learned from this postseason obviously the bucks you know they come out of the gates first quarter is usually, you know, they're trying to find their rhythm, see how the game goes. And then after the second half, third quarter, they really just, you know, push it down your throat at a very fast pace. I believe it's either the highest or the second highest in the postseason this season, the Raptors, they play at a much slower pace. So you're facing a team like the Milwaukee Bucks with a lot of perimeter weapons. Do you think they're still going to try to slow the game down? Or do you think they're going to try to go point for point with Milwaukee and try to keep pace? I think if Toronto is shooting the field goal percentage that they're shooting, I don't think they want to go toe-to-toe because we're going to lose by like 50 points. Um, I think they're going to have to try and slow it down and shut down the perimeter shots because that's what the Bucks thrive on. And I think if we go toe-to-toe, unless our shot actually hits, if these last couple of days Nick Nurse took them to, to the gym to, to just practice perfect shots, I mean, no team can compare to the Bucks when it comes to – how crazy their momentum is with the amount of shots that they have. Cause once they start, they, they really don't stop. And I think the Raptors best option is to 
is to try and shut that down in a way. Because think about the three ball that they were uh, slowing down with the Magic very effectively. Think about what happened when Redick wasn't getting good games in um, 76ers. You know, he was either hitting 20 or he, he was hitting three. And not like three ball. He only hit like three points one game. So that's the kind of thing that I think the Raptors are probably going to try and employ. Not to try and match your speed, but to bring you down to our speed. Because they shut the 76ers, which were a very prolific scoring team, down to like around 90 or under 90 points almost every game. And I think that's going to be their strategy for a high-scoring team like the Bucks as well. Hmm. I'm going to disagree um, a little bit yeah. here. The, the pace during the regular season was kind of middle of, middle of the pack. Um, but they had shown signs of uh, being able to compete uh, at a faster pace when when push came to shove. You know, I'm thinking about several examples where you know the Raptors had to push the pace against the Rockets in Houston and in Portland in trying to come back from very large deficits. Um, and the other benefit of pushing the pace is that the you know while the Bucks thrive on their threat transition offense, uh, the Raptors do too. So, you know, I believe the the Raptors are the only team, at least in the regular season, this was the case where I believe the Raptors and the Bucks were the top two transition offenses. Um, at least for the Raptors standpoint, it was the uh, most efficient trans- transition offense in the league. Uh, Andrew, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I think that's the last I'd read on it. Um, but when the pace gets pushed faster, that actually could work in the Raptors' favor. Uh, a, because, you know, as I mentioned already, the efficient uh, transition offense, but B, uh, because if if shots are not falling, which they haven't been all all playoffs long, then at least you can try to get some some quick wins uh, on the break. And um, you know it worked against the Sixers when when push came to shove. And you know if if that happens to be the case against the Bucks, um, then I'm I'm fine with them pushing the pace. I, I've also found that the Raptors have done better in second halves than they have in first. Um, it's, it's almost been like a feeling out in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, when we come out of, of halftime, that's usually where, you know, nurses made the right adjustments and he's done enough obviously to get to this point. So uh, I'm fine if, if that, that pace kind of goes up a bit. Yeah. I, I'm going to agree with Jay on this one, mainly because I feel like the Raptors have a lot of options to play at at different paces uh, when needed and when necessary. So with with Philly, I feel like they were more of a slower team and they post up a lot. In that case, we kind of did the same. We couldn't really get comfortable with our transition because Philly is a good defensive team. But I do think that Toronto does play a little bit better when they run, much like the Bucks do as well. We have players that can play slow, but we have to utilize players such as Danny Green, Siakam, Leonard, who play better when they're running. So if the Bucks are going to shoot all those threes, we have to get those defensive rebounds and run. I do believe it's going to be a really high-intensive offensive game i guess it's going to be more of like a 127 120 games you're going to see unlike the ones that we just had with the raptors in philly but yeah honestly i do think that if the pace is going to be quicker i'm not going to say we have an advantage but i do feel like the raptors are more comfortable when they play in that kind of transition game all right um so why don't we take a quick uh commercial break here and then we'll talk more about uh raps and bucks actually we'll take a a break from this and actually talk about the draft lottery but after this break all right damn i should have spent all that money now i wanted to buy whatever that was <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't got any change for that wow well, right, so, uh, welcome back to the pod um you know we've we've had some interesting discussions uh, with Andrew Goodman of Bucking the Trend Pod and of Brewer Hoop. Um, before we continue on with this interesting discussion about uh, the Bucks and Raps and previewing the Eastern Conference Finals, I want to take a quick trip uh, to the draft lottery. Um, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday evening. The draft lottery just happened, and the top four picks. Uh, please, someone correct me if I'm wrong. I believe. Uh, number one pick went to the New Orleans Pelicans. Number two went to the Memphis Grizzlies. Number three to the, I believe it's the Knicks. Yes, yep. no, yes, no, yeah. yeah. And to the fourth pick went to the Lakers. Uh, instant reaction. Guys, uh, the floor is yours. What do you think about those uh, top four picks? Oh, New York. Uh, 
Uh, New York getting a high-ish pick. Who would have predicted that? Um, Lakers, too. Jeez. Memphis Grizzlies getting second. I'm pretty happy with. Uh, the Pelicans is a, is a little surprising to get number one. Uh, I'd like to see what they do with that. Um, Knicks, Lakers, Cavaliers, oh, come right on in. We expected you. Uh, Suns getting sixth, then Bulls getting seventh are a little sad because I feel like this is going to be like another bottom of the barrel year for them. But you never know. Miracles happen. Uh, things happen. Uh, you know, we have some great players like Siakam, who wasn't top of the of the class, who is blossoming into a fantastic player now, and a million other stories of the same nature. Um, the Timberwolves 11th, though. Yeah, I don't have much uh, high hopes for them unless uh, – I don't know, some major changes happen. But aside from that, uh, we know the story with, with the college ball, who is being drafted, the main three. It's interesting to see who goes to who and how that uh, opens up. Otherwise, uh, yeah. Andrew, what do you think? Well, going into the draft lottery, I was too, where I'm not having to worry about if the Bucks are going to move up, you know, like usually finishing in that eight right. seed, getting the, yeah. getting the dreaded 14th, 13th pick, kind of in no man's land, ultimate chaos and, you know, Chicago, after having that pretty turbulent year, them dropping to seven was not entertaining. But I mean, you know, obviously, if you tank, you're going to expect better results. But it did play into that role of, you know, being loose. And also, Lakers moving up, you know, um, from LA. Happy they didn't get the one pick, but, you know, good for them. They still moved up, whatever. Phoenix, uh, <laughs> Phoenix, you know, that poor franchise just can't get a freaking break. I mean, you have arguably the worst owner especially basketball for sure, having that horrible, horrible season. You know, you have all that coaching drama, and then you have a report that comes out towards the end of the season that former GM Ryan McDonough brought goats, and they totally defecated all over someone's office. I mean, (laughs) kind of fits the picture of, you know, just Phoenix Suns basketball, you know? Didn't didn't Josh Jackson get arrested for something? Did. You know, he was at a... At some concert or music fest in, I believe it was Florida, try to get access to the VIP lounge. Kept, you know, pushing away, he kept coming back. <laughs> he tried to make a run for it. So I think his future as a son, you know, isn't looking the brightest right now. <laughs> oh, hey. man. What a uh, terrible. But... What a franchise. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, listen. I mean, I'm not. I I don't know too much about the Pelicans, nor do I know too much about like you know who's going to be drafted. All I know is that one, two, and three are probably set. Maybe two and three are are you know kind of up in the air. But for the Pelicans, quick question: Does that mean Anthony Davis is going to stay for his final year? Either way, this is this is a win. This is a win for them, right? I you know if they trade away Davis, then they they still have their blue chipper in, in Zion. Uh, if they keep Anthony Davis, well, have fun trying to score against Zion and Anthony Davis, right? So, <laughs> yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a huge win for the Pelicans. And I mean, I, I got reminded about this on Twitter, but like David Griffin's there. Like, what is up his butt that he keeps winning the number one <laughs> draft pick? Jeez. I don't so, know, man, some you know, some sort of horseshoe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, good, good, good for the Pelicans. Even good for the Grizzlies, man. I mean, you know, it, I'm sure their fan base was worried that this was going to be a really tough rebuild. I mean, you you think of the Grizzlies and you think of Conley and and Mark Gasol, and that is that is their identity. And you know, once Gasol got traded away, you know, as a Grizzlies fan, you're you're kind of wondering like, what's going to happen from here? Are we going to bottom out? Is this going to be several years of tanking? And lo and behold, they've got the number two pick and. You know the we all already know that Zion's going to go number one, and you know the, the the real draft will start with with Memphis and what they do with that. Whether it's John Morant or RG Barrett, if they go a little bit off the wall there um, with Culver, but yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting and and you know good for uh, the former Vancouver Grizzlies. Um, and it should be <laughs> very interesting. Um, but speaking of Marc Gasol, we should probably um, transfer back over to this wonderful Eastern Conference final series that's about to begin. Um, guys, it's starting 0-0. So, you know, as much as we want to talk about how, you know, the Bucks kind of own the Raptors during the regular season and the Bucks have been steamrolling their way through the playoffs and the Raptors have been struggling, um, it's 0-0. So, you know, we, we kind of get a, a clean slate here. Um, you know, when we think about who 
each of the teams have faced. And you, we've all kind of touched upon this in terms of you know the Bucks having a um, you know a, I, I guess you could say a, an easier uh, road to here. But I mean that's what you get when you have the best record in the NBA. You're supposed to have the easier road to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but is there anything that that each of these teams can take from their first or second round series that they can use towards their their conference finals opponent? Uh, I'm going to start this off with uh, with Andrew. I mean, is there anything that that the Bucks can utilize that they they did against either the Pistons or or the Celtics that they can utilize against the Raptors? When talking about the Pistons, for me that was kind of a first round buy. Um, but then <laughs> so game one, game one. <laughs> Game one against Boston, you know, Boston comes out and really punches him in the mouth. And, it, you know, you have people speculating, you know, did Boston stop the Bucks defensively, you know, are the Bucks frauds? But then I thought it was necessary for game one to happen because after game one, after that, you know, worst loss of the season, especially at home. And I read an article or a post-game quote, I believe it was of Malika Andrews of ESPN. She covers uh, NBA for the Midwest. So led a vocal, vocal team meeting. And he really suggested, you know, rest of the series, we got to switch. You know, defensively, they thought they were getting burned because they didn't switch. And then all of a sudden, you, know, you have the Bucks switching, wreaking havoc, causing deflections, causing turnovers, getting on transition. So for me, that's the big takeaway is Milwaukee's going to switch everything defensively. And also, you know, Kyle Lowry's going to have to deal with Eric Bledsoe, who held him scoreless in one of the games. Eric Bledsoe is one of the best point, defensive point mm-hmm. guards in the NBA. He's very disruptive. He can blow up the pick and roll. So I think he's really going to have to be the alpha dog defensively, the point of attack to really, you know, try to blow things up for uh, the Raptors offense. Mm. I like when you brought up uh, Eric Bledsoe because the one thing about uh, the guard play for Toronto Raptors is that we don't face, we don't do well against uh good defending guards so even with like dj augustine but i'm thinking about last last series with ben simmons both kyle lowry and fred van vliet had very a lot of trouble going through their offense so now you look at the bucks and they have eric bledsoe malcolm brockton and george hill that is a tough tough backcourt uh i hope that they you know fred van vliet kind of turns it up a little bit because he doesn't have to see Ben Simmons or Jimmy Butler anymore. But I mean, that's like going from the 76ers backcourt to the Bucks backcourt, there's no there's no advantage there. Like that's going to be a pretty tough uh tough opponent. But for for the Raptors, not as much as not many people can take or I guess nobody can take Giannis right now. I feel like Siakam uh, is going to have his way against Middleton. I could be, I mean, I'm, I'm just speculating here, but I feel like he could have a better time against someone like Middleton or someone like Miritich that he could probably take advantage of. Now, if I also see this scenario where, if you guys remember in the in the Philly series, Joel Embiid was the one who was guarding. Uh, Siakam most of the time and he seemed really flustered Siakam didn't want to shoot he didn't want to drive granted you know uh, Embiid is like a top defensive player of the year but if you see let's say Brooke Lopez take on uh, someone like Siakam I could see Siakam not being hesitant again I hope that he drives as much as he can I hope that he you know runs as as much as he can I feel like this is a big step forward for Siakam. This is a big stage for him that he's never been in. Uh, but I think he can do it. I think this is going to be a breakout series for, for Siakam. He's in a really good spot. I'm a big fan of pa- Pascal. You know, just one one quick thing about that. I mentioned Nikola Meritich, you know, it was confirmed that he's starting game one. That's a big mismatch for the Raptors to take advantage right, yeah. of. See if the Bucks can somewhat mask his defensive inefficiencies, but that is definitely a matchup I'm keeping my eye out for sure. That's tough because if anything, the Bucks exposed the flaws in the other teams. Like what the Pistons had to offer when their leading man wasn't there, and I think uh, everybody's basically raised a lot of great points already. I think um, if anything, I would argue the Bucks still have some stuff to realize because you learn the most when you struggle, and I feel like uh, that was a big reason, perhaps, why Kawhi exploded in Game Seven. When he wasn't having the best first half, he was figuring out how to bring it all back in the second. And um, Lowry was finding a new open position as a, a heavy rebounder in that game. You know, finding a lot of what you need to bring to the table in adversity. And I feel like 
we are as Raptors are going to face a lot of adversity with the Bucks crazy lineup, but I also feel like the Bucks are going to learn some things as well. And whoever goes on to the next round, whether it's the Bucks or the Raptors, will definitely benefit from the series because it's likely going to be Golden State. If not, it's going to be a, a heavily underdog laden team with the with the Trailblazers. That both teams are, are pretty hot when it comes to their offense and their ferocity. So. Um, I think it's going to be exciting. I think there's still room to grow with both teams, uh, it, more noticeably with the Raptors, but I think there are some with the Bucks as well because they haven't been quite challenged as much as they should yet. And again, you learn the most in adversity, not when you're uh, when everything's going swimmingly. So uh, I, I'm always looking forward with these kinds of things. Uh, as we look at 0-0, it's the start of a new slate. It's a new team, new mechanics. Um, pass routes could only say so much is the way that I look at it. I think there's there's a there's a couple of names you guys all brought up that that are going to be very helpful. Um, and I'm looking at this from the Raptors uh, standpoint uh, first because I think that um, from the Bucks standpoint, there's I, I get it that they they answered the, they they answered they counterpunched you know the Celtics after that game one loss and came back in a flurry. Um, for the Raptors, there's there's a couple of things that they probably can take from from their previous series, specifically against this, the Sixers moving forward. Um, and one of those is again two of the names you guys had mentioned. That's Siakam and that's Miritich. Um, for from for Miritich, it is is definitely trying to hunt him and put him in the pick and roll. And if he ends up guarding, let's say for example, um, Marcus Gasol, then you got to run some pick and rolls for Marcus Gasol. Um, put Marcus all in his sweet spot, put him in the elbow and either, you know, if there's something he needs to learn from, from that magic series is to, you know, be more aggressive offensively um, from, from, for Siakam um, near the tail end of the 76er series, he was starting to do more dribble handoffs. And I think that was um, creating a better off in, in a better position. I mean, once Embiid started guarding him, he, you know, we you guys have already mentioned it. He was flustered. He he wasn't hitting the shots he normally hit. He was very hesitant. Um, but once he started doing those dribble handoffs in, in game six and seven, he was able to create a little bit more space, uh, get the offense going. So I think there is some things there that the the Raptors can can kind of lean on and and take moving forward against the Bucks. Um, but yeah, all in all, this should be an amazing series. I think that you know if there's if there's one thing that we, I don't know if we should touch upon this even more, but I mean, the the two stars in this, Kawhi and Giannis, I mean, it, this is going to be a battle for the ages. I personally don't think they will be guarding each other. Hmm. I think that um, Middleton did a very good job guarding Kawhi during the regular season and um, putting, I mean, if the Bucks are going to learn something from watching how the Sixers handled Siakam, why not put Giannis on Siakam? Um, I think that that is a matchup that could work in the Bucks' favor. Um, you know, especially with with uh, Siakam being hesitant on his shot. I mean, Andrew, what do you think about those two matching up? Do you think that's how it'll play out, or do you think it will be a Kawhi versus Giannis uh, death uh, death battle? <laughs> I think we'll definitely see some moments of Kawhi versus Giannis on both ends where they're guarding each other. Both of those guys are going to stay away from each other just to, you know, conserve energy. But in the crucial moments, you can guarantee that Kawhi and Giannis will probably be matched up together. But Giannis is such a mismatch. While Pascal Siakam can pose problems with his length and how quick he moves his feet, Giannis just has such a strength advantage over him. So he can Giannis can get a dunk whenever he wants. Siakam on him, it's you're, re, you're really sticking him on an island and... He's going to have to play vertical with his hands up, not get into foul trouble. That could be a big thing, too, is if, you know, he gets in foul trouble, you know, where do you go next? So, you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, Kawhi can hold his own. You know, asking Pascal to guard Giannis, that's that's a lot to ask for, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I agree. I feel like the only reason why I'd like to have Kawhi guard Giannis is because of how smart Kawhi is as a defender. Um, if we're thinking about we don't want you know Kawhi to we want him to reserve energy. Yeah, that's that is true. But if you're talking about like you know maybe fouls, I don't think that he's shown that he doesn't he can defend well without uh, drawing so many fouls. Now, if you have you know, Siakam or Ibaka, basically you're using Siakam and 
a blocker for the fouls. Like you're sticking them on an island. So those are the, that's the only reason why I want Kawhi to stick on Giannis. I personally think it's going to be Gasol guarding um, Giannis at least to start the game. Yeah. Once once Giannis gets a, uh, that full head of steam, at least Gasol can body up on him. And you guys are right. I mean, Siakam is definitely not strong enough to to take on Giannis. Um, and with I guess the the issue then would be I mean you know what there are so many issues with dealing with Giannis he is absolutely a perfect player um, but again this is a, if you were to nitpick I guess it is that outside shot right and if if Gasol ends up guarding him um, at, at least he can kind of lay back a little bit and uh, you know we, we kind of hope and pray that Giannis doesn't start hitting those threes at, at, with any regularity <laughs> um, but I think this is this is a good chance to uh, switch gears. I've got a couple of questions I wanted to ask you guys, and uh, I'm going to do this as like a a fact or fiction. Now I haven't prepared you guys with what my fact or fiction questions are, so hopefully, uh, you know, you, you you can answer them with as as, be- as best as you can. But my first yeah. one, um, this is about X factors, and you can your definition of X factor can be different from mine. I mean, for me, it's it's. Uh, anyone who's not a starter, but for you, it could be anyone who's not Kawhi or Giannis. But uh, who do you think, uh, fact or fiction, the Bucks, the X factor for the Bucks is George Hill. Um, and I say that because uh, at least in Raptor land, we already know George Hill as a Lowry killer. Uh, you know, we've already touched upon the point that um, you know, the Bucks have an edge in the point guard department. Um, Brogdon, I don't think he's 100%. He's only had one game back since his injury, and something that he needs is reps, not rest. And so I don't think he'll at least start the series very strong. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I know we were talking about how Bledsoe was the alpha dog, but I really do think that the X factor in the series would be George Hill. Is that fact or fiction from the Buck standpoint? Uh, let's start with Jay. Uh, fact. Um, if you guys remember... George Hill on either Cleveland or Indiana, he killed us. Every single time he killed us, he is a known Raptor killer. And there are plenty of Raptor killers. But George Hill is is up there. And yeah, I think he's going to pose a lot of problems with the two ball handers in Kyle and Fred Van Vliet. But it's not just so much as George Hill as to, like I said before, as the guards that they have. Yes, I do. I mean, Brockton is isn't you know fully 100% but he does pose a, a problem same thing with Eric Bledsoe so yeah I, I agree George Hill's probably the top of the tier when it comes to their their guards but uh oh, those those uh Giannis scares me but at the same time I feel like the x factor is the guard play for for Milwaukee uh Dre what about you fact because um what the Bucks need to compete with what the Raptors have to offer is a veteran presence. And that's George Hill. And as Andrew, you were pointing out, the fountain of youth has been his. This is uh, a rejuvenation. I don't know if it was his brief stint in the Cavaliers where he got it as quickly as possible, but he took what he could with them. Uh, I don't know what it was, but it's this veteran presence that the team can really use. And like when the chips are down in any moment of this series because the final four teams this is the final four as they would say in um you know march madness and college ball i i honestly think that yeah he's definitely going to be an x factor because i think he could provide something that a lot of the younglings can can cling on to and suddenly they're different beasts you know he's the voice of reason when what we're used to is not working because he's he's been everywhere he's been on how many teams he's played with how many great players He's a veteran presence. That's what this is what it is when somebody brings up that term. It's a veteran presence. Mm-hmm. And this is why it's important because it's experience, it's mm-hmm. wisdom. Andrew, what about you, Ben? George Hill's importance to this team, especially in the postseason, cannot be understated. You know, the Bucks, you know, they have some guys, you know, you look at Middleton and Giannis and Bledsoe. They haven't they haven't really been there. You know, George Hill has been to has been to the finals. He's played in multiple big games. Very He's true. only getting better as the postseason my X factor personally is going to be Chris Middleton and here's why he's really struggled in his career against Toronto offensively while he has made life somewhat difficult for Kawhi Leonard you know the Bucks are going to have a really tough time comfortably putting away Toronto if Chris Middleton is not knocking down his three-pointers or you know sometimes he'll have that mid-range available to him in the post so you know if he's not hitting that offensively it's going to be looking like a long grueling series for the Bucks because you know Eastern Conference Finals you're going to need 
oh, you can get, you know, you're not playing Detroit anymore. You're not playing the Boston Celtics. Giannis said this today, you know, when they played the Celtics, you can, you can afford to lose game one, you know, come back and adjust. But he said, you can't, you can't afford to lose a game one to a team like Toronto. So I believe there's a lot of mutual respect between these two teams, both on and off the court. And, you know, it's awesome to see them compete to go to the finals. But for me, be Chris Middleton. He's going to have to get it done on both ends, which is a huge task for him to, because, you know, you're probably going to have Kawhi Leonard or Danny Green on you, two of the best perimeter defenders mm-hmm. in all of basketball. So, you know, they're going to they're gonna suffocate him, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Very well said. Yeah, and um, it's funny because, like, when I when I first wrote out this question, it initially was Middleton. Oh. And I was going to say that he was the X Factor, and then I did a quick switch at the end there and went with George Hill. But, um, yeah, very good points. Um, and to continue with the factor fiction and to continue with the X Factors, Obviously, the next one's going to be the Raptors. And um, my question to you guys is, is the Raptors X-Factor Serge Ibaka? Now, let's start Ooh. out with Dre. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He loves playing against the Bucks, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. Absolutely. So that already that already is a, is a promising sign. It's not that Serge Ibaka ever quits. I think he always gives it his all. You see when he wants to make statements – when he wants to get it to heads, he's going to be all over this team. It, it, well, in terms of efforts anyways, I think one good thing is his performance in the last 76ers game where he uh, outscored the entire 76ers bench and showed up for Toronto for once where he gave our bench some sort of depth for once. And it was, it was a great sign. I think uh, if he can have that same sort of momentum where he can, bring that defensive edge, which this is what uh, the three of us were talking about in earlier episodes before the playoffs. Gasol starting and having him come off the bench just to be like a one-two punch, you know, or you have to deal with both at the same time. It's exhausting. And that's what we need. And getting a glimpse of that in game seven with the 76ers. uh, I don't know what happened when Kawhi elbowed him in the head. If it was like a space jam thing, he accidentally took powers (laughs) a little bit. Or if he just woke him up a little bit. But this is a new surge. Um, this is a surge that we've wanted, obviously. He's doing great. Mufuzi Chef, I think he's going to be the X Factor. He's going to cook up some real, real stuff mm-hmm. for the Bucks. I can't I can't agree more, man. Keep that Band-Aid on, please. That Band-Aid is MVP. But, yeah, no, some, <laughs> something woke him up. And I, and I love it because, obviously, our bench hasn't been – anything near perfect uh or even you know mediocre but the thing is with the with the bench of norm fred van vliet and abaka arguably abaka could be starting for you know 25 other teams so he's our like de facto starter i feel like he's kind of um made a role for himself or at least maybe nurse has given that given him the opportunity to have a bigger role and he's thriving where where i'm a little concerned with abaka is we knew that whenever Embiid, and we're talking about the last series, whenever Embiid was on the bench, that's when Gasol was also on the bench. They were matching minutes. And that's when Ibaka could shine. So now it's I'm wondering who in this series can, will Ibaka come in for or who's he going to guard? Is it going to be the same kind of a role that he's going to have? I feel like with Ibaka, it's all about his momentum and if when he's comfortable. So for this series, as much as uh, this is such, going to be such a new series, it's going to be new for Ibaka. Do we have to wait two or three games for him to accumulate himself in the game again? Or is he going to show his, his talent uh, right away? So I do think Ibaka is the X factor for the Raptors, but it could go either way. I'm hoping that Bandit Ibaka is, you know, staying pat, man. I'm going to have to agree with you about Serge Ibaka. Like you mentioned before, he is just something about the water <laughs> in Milwaukee. He loves, absolutely loves playing against the Bucks. He's killed us even when he was on OKC. I'm actually a big fan of how he plays the game. I've been a big fan since he was at OKC. And the way the Bucks play defense is they're going to encourage their opponent to shoot from the mid-range. They're going to give up that shot all day. And, you know, hey, you know, that's why Serge Ibaka has killed us all these years is because he's so freaking good at that in-between shot. And let's be honest, Serge Ibaka is just a badass, all right? You know, defensively <laughs> makes big yeah. plays, big blocks. He's dunked on Giannis a few times. He's dunked on a few other bucks. He's that guy that all it takes is one play to really ignite him and the crowd to get going, you know. So, you know, when you talk about X-Factors, absolutely, Serge Ibaka – 
just that big play ability, you know, almost like the Energizer Bunny, you know, <laughs> all it takes is one play, he's up, you know, it's like the beast has been awoken, but the way he plays on both ends against the Bucks, all time, if he did play against the Bucks every every game of his career, kind of like uh, the Chris Middleton against the Celtics in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Well, it's 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 uh you know when it comes to Serge Ibaka's uh, stats for the season, um, for any team that he's played more than once, uh, the Bucks are the team that he scored the most on. He's had twenty two points per game against the 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 Bucks this season. Um, he's he's just consistently had very good games against the Bucks, so hopefully he does step up at least from a Raptor standpoint um and I guess before we 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 end this episode with some serious predictions I have one more factor fiction question for you guys um and I'm interested to know all of your feedback because uh I don't know the answer to this but factor fiction the biggest injury concern in this series is OG and Unobi now the reason I say that is because um you know the question of when Anunoby will come back has been floating around. And uh, last we're we're hearing is that um, he's at least starting to do some activities. He's nowhere near, well, I wouldn't say he's nowhere near starting, but he's at least a week away, which means the earliest he would join would probably be around game four or five. Um, but if, and let's say when he does join, he could be a very, very impactful player for the Raptors. Um, again, should he be healthy enough to play and should the Raptors um, still be in a very competitive series at that point? Um, but that would be my, I mean, a factor fiction. Is, is that the biggest injury concern or to someone else? Um, Andrew, um, what do you think? You know, OG is a very physical defender. He's He's been tough on Giannis the way, how physical he is. He's not afraid to body you up or foul. So, you know, if you're looking at a comeback, like you said, around game four or something like that, it's almost like, kind of like, Malcolm Brogdon situation where this but it's not a series is coming back from, you know, a ruptured, I believe it was a ruptured tendon for Brogdon in his uh, foot. But, you know, if the Toronto Raptors can get another physical body up against Giannis and try to, you know, throw him off rhythm, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm going to have to agree with you that his health is definitely an X factor in this series because, you know, you're going to need in terms of, you know, just defending Giannis. I honestly, at this point, I don't think it's a good idea for him to come back, even at you know the game four or maybe. Uh, it's just because it, when you're coming back from an injury, he's been out for the entire playoff, so that's almost you know a month. Um, that's going to take you out of the out of the rhythm, right? When you're coming back to the conference finals, and then you're going to be thrown in to guard the best player in the NBA. That is kind of a hard ask. Uh, at this point, I would rather, ha- if he is going to play, I wouldn't play him the amount, like maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just to get him back. But this isn't the season anymore. This is the playoffs. So, uh, I, I yeah, he's he's a huge factor. He was a huge factor in Philadelphia. We definitely could have need, uh, used him. But at this point, I'd rather, if he doesn't come back, that's okay because I would rather not risk uh, any more injury uh, but if he does come back I I, uh, I I don't know how much of an effect he's going to have when guarding someone like Giannis maybe a Middleton where he can run around more or even with the Miracic uh, but when it comes to OG guarding Giannis that that it kind of scares me to be honest all right guys uh, I think we've uh, kind of exhausted everything that we could possibly get out of this series let's just get some basketball started already <laughs> yeah, no. um, I'm sure Agreed. Bucks fans they're dying to get this thing started. They've been waiting since, I don't know, sometime last year, I think, since the last time they played. So before we wrap things up, let's do some quick uh, series predictions. Let's start with our guest, Andrew. What do you think? How many games? All right. Uh, don't hate me. Please don't hate <laughs> me. But I've been, re- I've been really teetering back and forth here. Toronto is such a great team. Love the way they're constructed. Nick Nurse has done a great job you know, taking over that team, making them into, you know, even more of a contender than they were previously, especially with sort of a new roster kind of facelift. It's down to, especially in the postseason, is depth. You say you could say that their performance on their bench is a little over-exaggerated, but the reality is, even in the regular season, you know, I'm not saying the Bucks bench didn't have a few, you know, dry spells for a few games, but they were consistently one of the better benches this season. And if you look at Toronto... It's just things have not gone well for yeah. them in their bench this postseason. 
you know, I remember when the Bucks and Raptors play when, you know, that cardboard of a human being, Jason Kidd, <laughs> was still the coach. Guys like Norman Powell would come off the bench and just light up the Bucks, And that's just something Toronto's missing. They desperately need it. And, you know, I'm sure if you're a Raptors fan, you would have liked for them to show up already. You know, it's getting getting a little late. I would be and I'm I'm nervous. I'm nervous for this series. I mean, my freaking hands have been clammy all day just thinking about, <laughs> you know, the Eastern Conference Finals and what's on the line here. But I'm gonna go Bucks and five. I think Ooh. Milwaukee, they're a home court advantage. The NBA, Toronto is as well. And you look if you look at the Bucks, they've been a historically great team in the regular season, and they've carried that success over into the postseason. And I think if you're looking at it from if the Bucks were rather just one of those, you know, good teams, been different. But this Bucks team, when you're talking about historical greatness, when you look at their the advanced analytics and how they match up with, you know, previous dynasties over the years, I think a lot of this favors Milwaukee. Milwaukee is going to come out in game one, throw a punch, win by double digits. But I think every other game in this series is going to be decided by single digits. I don't know if you want to call a gentleman sweep competitive but to me if you're looking at a scenario where all these games are closely contested in single digits i think we're still in store for a very competitive series mm. Whew, that's that's tough that's tough to hear but it you make some definitely good points that's for damn sure uh let's as long as we don't give up the that i'm pretty sure the bucks and the raptors gave a douchebag sweep where I'm not too sure if you heard that term before, Andrew, but basically it's if you let the opposing team win the first game, give them hope and then sweep them the rest of the way, that's a douchebag sweep. Uh, we did that with Orlando and the Bucks did that with, I believe, Boston. So as long as not, it doesn't go to five like that, that'd be great. Uh, I, I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to stick with my guns. Uh, of course, I can't really go against my raps, but at the same time, I'm hella scared of the Bucks because of everything that they oppose with Giannis, how deep they are. Their amazing coach is probably going to be coach of the year. Um, and the storyline behind that too, where, you know, uh, when we were looking for a new head coach, our first choice was Bud and then he chose Milwaukee. So it's a, it's an interesting storyline there too. But when it comes to predictions, I'm probably going to be dead wrong and I'm okay with that, but I'm going to go Raptors in seven. There's one X factor that the Bucks have that we don't, and we haven't really talked about it too much. It's Paul Gasol. Actually, it isn't. It's got nothing to do with them. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the Gasol brothers actually fighting together. But uh, in all honesty, it, it is uh, uh, it's, it's coach Mike Buddenhauser. I think uh, Nick Nurse has done a great job, but Buddenhauser isn't doing a great job. He's basically like revolutionizing a team in the way Steve Kerr did with his pieces in the Warriors, where it's like, I've got these pieces. This Curry kid's pretty good. I'm going to make him a team leader. Bam. But I think the Bucks, in their own way, are kind of doing that with, as, as you brought up, Andrew, uh, Jason Kidd, uh, let's not kid ourselves, uh, not the greatest coach. <laughs> uh, a lot of uh, former players, all-stars, Hall of Famers, aren't the best coaches. I think that's a reoccurring theme. I think either the Bucks in six or the Raptors in seven, I don't think either team is going to let up. We have playoff Kawhi. You have... Yanni, consistent season, playoff, whatever, Yanni, just going off. It's going to be tough. It's going to be grit and grind. It's going to be shooting until the lights go out. It's This is going to be one hell of a series. If the 76ers weren't already, this is going to be nuts. Um, great points by everyone. I'll keep it short. Bucks and six. Ah. All right. All right. I guess, I guess that's fair. <laughs> uh, but all right. So... I'm glad we could we could get a Bucks perspective on this one, Andrew. Yeah, it's it's going to be a tough ass series. So, Jay, do you want do you want to close this guy off? Yeah, no, for sure. Again, thanks again for 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 joining us, Andrew. Um, you know, this was this is great to have uh, you know the the Milwaukee perspective on this, and um, yeah, this is going to be an amazing series. I mean, we we kind of pointed out at the top that like both of these franchises have had their you know their ups and their downs but mostly downs and incredibly exciting that one of our franchises is actually going to go to the NBA finals. And yeah, I can't wait to watch it. I mean, we discussed it at length during this episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it, but Andrew, the floor is yours. Promote whatever you want to promote. Um, thanks for joining us again. And yeah, the floor is yours. You know, first of all, I'd like to thank you guys for having me on. Like you guys said, it's always great to have 
perspective from someone who you know writes about the other team because you know you guys obviously watch all the Raptors games I watch all the Bucks games so you know it's nice to you know integrate both of our both of our views and our basketball knowledge here I recover the Milwaukee Bucks for brewhoop.com Milwaukee Bucks blog by the fans for the fans you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew G underscore NBA I also have a podcast that I co-host with my man Dylan Piccolo and you can follow that on Twitter at Buck the Trend Pod. It is on all your favorite platforms as Bucking the Trend Podcast. And if there are any of football league fans out there, I currently work for the Arizona Rattlers, which has been a really, really great experience these few months. But time for both of our fan bases, like you said. And it's it's really hard to come away from the series disappointed, but you know, it's hard not to be happy with how these teams have progressed just, you know, in such a short time with such a high rate of turnaround. Hell yeah. Awesome. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us, man. And you're definitely a man of many talents. But until next time, uh, look to see you in the conference finals. That's a wrap. Good luck to you guys. And Paul Pierce, you're still an idiot. <laughs> that, nothing changed. I have you're to agree with, I'm going to very much agree with that one. <laughs>